This is Racing Virginia. From asphalt to dirt. From drag racing to road courses. It's all right here. In Racing Virginia. I am Brandon Brown, and you are listening to episode 111 of the Racing Virginia podcast here all by my lonesome again for the second podcast in a row. And I got to say, I've been missing my buddy Dave C., who is off again today. I might be flying solo for this podcast, but man, I tell you what, I was not flying solo at Martinsville Speedway for this past weekend's Valley Star Credit Union 300 I was there, and I tell you what, it was my second Valley Star 300, and I don't plan on missing another one for the rest of my life. Two-day event, qualifying, stories abound. Philip Morris made his return to racing. We had a racing Virginia driver win the pole, Daniel Silvestri. And then to top it all off, we had the youngest winner in Valley Star Credit Union 300 history and Landon Pembleton. And guess what, folks? That's who we've got today as our special guest. We are going to hear his Racing Virginia story. And I cannot wait for this one. I can't wait for this discussion. I mean, think about what you were doing when you were 16 years old. This kid out of Amelia, Virginia, just won one of the biggest races in the entire country and obviously the biggest win of his career to this point. We've got a ton of stuff going on here at the end of the racing season. It's up on us, folks. The temperatures are cooling off, season's winding down, and we're about ready to end this season here in Racing Virginia. Champions are going to be crowned at all of the local short tracks here coming up very, very shortly. And one national champion was already crowned. Peyton Sellers picked up his second national title in the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series. His late model team are the national champions, and we just can't extend our congratulations enough out to uh, to Sellers Racing. Peyton and that entire 26 crew got it done. The track champions, South Boston, Dominion Raceway, and Peyton might not have gotten the, the prize at Martinsville. He might not have gotten the Triple Crown, but he won the national title and had it in the bag before Martinsville. Speaking of the Triple Crown, Bobby McCarty took home the Virginia Triple Crown, the best average finish out of South Boston, Langley, and Martinsville. Congratulations to him. A lot of stuff culminated at that Valley Star Credit Union 300 last Friday and Saturday. But we still have a ton of stuff on the horizon here in Racing Virginia. And I think most notably, it's going down at VIR over the the next two weekends. We've got Hyperfest going on this weekend, October 1st through the 3rd at, uh, at VIR. And I tell you, if you haven't been to Hyperfest, you should certainly go. And all you have to do really to want to be able to go, uh, Google Hyperfest Power Wheels Downhill, 
and just put that into YouTube and then just enjoy yourself. You will want to come to VIR to see Hyperfest, if not this year, then in years to come. But also in two weekends, it's going to be IMSA at VIR. IMSA is coming back to Virginia International Raceway, and I... I'm going to be there. It will be my first IMSA event ever. I've never attended uh, an IMSA event, even when I worked for NASCAR. Uh, didn't get to go to the Glen. Didn't get to go to the 24 Hours of Daytona. I am super pumped to be able to see these sports cars in action. One of the things that I've really tried to do over, especially the last year, is diversify what motorsports that I watch, what motorsports I attend, and what motorsports I care about and know about. And I think this is just going to be a new frontier for me in in seeing IMSA up close. I cannot wait to get there and see that beautiful facility and just experience all that it has to offer. Um, one experience that I that I did just absolutely adore, I said it earlier, the, the Valley Star 300 at Martinsville. I, I was there for qualifying night uh, to see the excitement to see what that place means to people. Uh, Martinsville is the pinnacle of late model stock cars, folks, and and it is just something else to behold. Um, starting on pole night, Daniel Silvestri and that 97 team winning the pole, like you you would have thought that they were celebrating a championship out on pit road when, when they finally, the last qualifier was finished and they knew they, they had won the pole. It was like Christmas down on pit road. We got to talk to uh, Daniel down there, he was just flabbergasted uh, in, an, in the best way possible. It was just simply, simply special. And I think we're just going to have to jump into the phone line right now and talk to somebody who made an even more special moment at Martinsville this past weekend. Landon Pimpleton has opened up a huge lead, two and a half seconds now over Mike Looney. 16-year-old has taken on the best in the business, and he's looking real good right now. 16-year-old Landon Pimpleton in a turn three, looking for the checkered flag. Racer out of Amelia, Virginia, down across the strike. Landon Pimpleton wins the Valley Star Credit Union 300 here at Martinsville Speedway. He is the driver of the number zero Pembleton Forest Products GSX Wraps and Solid Rock Carrier Chevrolet. He is the youngest winner in the Valley Star Credit Union 300 history. You know his name now, and we're going to say it again. He is Landon Pembleton. Landon, how you doing, bud? Hey, man. How's it going? Just got off work. <laughs> you j just got off work. So t you tell me this. You went to school, and you're at work. And you're a race car driver. What do you What are you doing? How do you keep up with all this stuff? Um. Well, my dad he organizes most of my racing. Um. I'm at school five days a week, eight to uh, three o'clock, and I come here three thirty to five thirty at work. So it's um. I'm a fairly busy person. And, uh, I try to keep track of everything I do, but it, it's kind of tough too. So. I, I tell you what, man. You need a you need a secretary. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a full team if you keep winning these races like this. I tell you what. Um, tell us, uh, you just got off work. Where do, where do you work at? Uh, I work at Pimbleton Force Products for my family, my dad specifically. Um, we um, we specialize in making lumber. Um, that's pretty much the, what the whole business does. Um, we have a sawmill in Blackstone, Virginia. And um, we just try to keep everything going, racing everything, 
this is how we make the living. So, dude, well, I'll tell you what, you all laid the wood to them on Saturday night at Martinsville Speedway. Landon, uh, uh, told you congratulations. We're going to tell you congratulations again, man. Uh, you're 16 years old. You've been racing late models all of this season, and you get the win at Martinsville. Uh, take us back and relive that that moment that you crossed the start finish line and won that race. When I first crossed the start finish line, I really didn't know what to think. I was like, "Holy crap, we just won Martinsville!" But I was still kind of like, "How is this even possible? It's only my second late model win in my first year," and I was. It was. I was honestly ecstatic. I really didn't know what to do. I didn't. I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't say anything on the radio until I came out of four after the checkered flag had waved. I was like, I, "How?" <laughs> and um, we just. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know how it happened. Um, tell us about this this race car, because because I mean, talking to your dad a little bit, uh, you got the the sellers folks involved. And I mean, who better to get involved in a racing program than, than Peyton Sellers and HC Sellers and that group, um, and, and Forrest Reynolds as well was your was your crew chief. How did that all come about, and how did they help you win this race? So Sellers keeps all my cars up. They're a great group of guys to work with. Um, they keep both of my two cars up. Um, Forrest Reynolds, he actually came on board the July Fourth race and HC got us hooked up with him because uh, we were looking for a crew chief for the July 4th race, and um, he came on board, and we um, we were really, really solid at the July 4th race. Um, I was really nervous going into the July 4th race because I knew we were going to have a fa- really fast car, but um, when we came to Martinsville with Forrest, I was like, I've worked with Forrest a couple times. now. I, I know what to expect. He, he's very, very smart, um, and he got me to where I got me in place to win the race, so and um, he had me running inside the top five at the July 4th race. So he knows how to make them go fast. He knows how to work a good strategy. He, um, he's a very intelligent person. For those of you who don't know, there are three segments in the Valley Star Credit Union 300. There's a 75-lapper, a 75-lapper, and a 50-lap sprint to the finish. You guys took tires on that very first caution break. And... It was a it was a two tire two new tire rule. That's all you guys could get. What made you guys want to put them on that early? Um, so Forrest came up with that game plan before the race. He told me we're going to try this deal at lap seventy five. If I pull the tires off and say they look brand new, we're going to be in really good shape. And he said if they're wore out, we're going to, we're not going to be in the best shape. So he um he when he pulled them off at the seventy five lap break, he said the tires look brand new. I was like, 10-4, I'm ready to roll now. He just said, shoot for track position, get as far up as you can, and you should have the lead by lap 150. And he called it perfect, and we were end up leading it by lap 150. Man, with with the stacked field that it was, I mean, did did you know, did you think, man, he, this guy knows what he's talking about, we're going to do this and it's going to work out perfectly? Did you have your doubts? What were you thinking when he when he gave you that? I honestly didn't know what to think of it. Before the race, I was like, mm, these F45s are known for being really fast off the get-go, and I'm falling off a little bit. But he said track position is going to be key. I watched all the heat races, hard to pass. So he called it perfect. He um, he was the one who really came up with that deal, and it, and it worked perfectly. Man, and, and that it did, but it wasn't without uh, you know, a challenge. 
you were battling with one of the best in the business in Mike Looney on those those final race restarts. And I mean, compared to him and compared to a lot of people in the field, you have very limited experience with that. Um, did that did that cross your mind at all? Did, were you thinking about that or were you just, just pulling from all the experience that you have gotten this season? Um, those last 50 laps, I was just locked in. I, I really didn't know what to think. I was like, we need to try and win this thing. We're in position now. I just need to get away and burn it all up now and go for it. Um, I, I have raced around Mike a lot. He's a very good driver. He's pretty clean. He's very respectful. He'll race, he'll race you hard though. Um, I knew he was going to give me a run for my money that last restart. I was getting pretty good starts and he decided to ease on up a little bit. And, um, we had a dog fight for about a lap and, um, well, I got a little loose end getting into one and used him up a little bit. Um, <laughs> it, that, that cleared us coming off of two and, um, we were able to run away with it from there. Yeah, you certainly did. And I mean, after you got the lead, you were driving away. Um, what is that like being in, in the lead, nobody in front of you, it's just you and the car and you know, you've got it won as long as you don't make any mistakes. Uh, what is that like in a race car? Um, it's very nerve wracking. It can be very nerve wracking, but you can also be very, very happy at the same time because you've got that clean air, but you can be so nervous out front, you know, and these guys are behind me. They're, they're like angry dogs. They're ready to go. They want to pounce, whatever you uh, make a mistake on. And, um, I knew I just had to dig with all I had. And, um, to get a lead like that was pretty impressive. I thought, um, I never thought we had a good enough car to get that big of a lead. But but you guys did, and you you made it pay off so well. Um, when did you when did you kind of know that you had a car capable of doing what it did on Saturday? After about ten laps, after that last uh, caution, I knew this thing's really really good in clean air. I was like, if I make no mistakes, we can be we could be in contention to win this thing. And um, they, when they said you just got a half a straightaway, I was like. Wow, this is impressive. I was like, I didn't think it was this good. But um, he said, my father, Joey Throckmore, when he said, I w- when I was in the middle of the backstretch and he said Looney was coming off of two, he said, y- y'all are equal. Y'all just do what you keep doing. And um, we walked away, and we were able to pull away a shade bit from him there. Um, but he was still really, really strong. I feel like if we would have had a caution, everything would have been changed. It. It could have been. That race has a propensity to uh, to have some crazy finishes. And I mean, it did and to an extent. There were some wrecks at the end and, and cautions at the end. But the last run was, was really clean. Um, you crossed the, the finish line first. You got out of the car. And, you know, what was that like in front of probably the biggest crowd you'd ever been, been in front of and at Martinsville Speedway, hearing that crowd cheering for you? It was awesome. Um, I've always lived up to being that moment. I've been at, I've been one of those fans in the stands before, cheering on Timothy Peters, Peyton Sellers, Philip Morris, all of those guys. And um, to be able to be the guy on the front stretch, getting out on top of the car, was awesome. Now I do have to ask you: Did you try to do a burnout and not be able to do it, or was that all exactly what you wanted to do? <laughs> Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I, I really didn't know what to do. I was just kind of doing whatever. <laughs> I was just so clueless, but I was so happy at the same time, you know? Um, 
Being that fun stretch was awesome. Yeah, that, it was, man. And, and to have your, you know, family, friends, everybody that came, everybody that climbed the, over the wall to, to, to congratulate you and have you, I talked to your dad and he, he, he and I both agreed that you might not get how big this was for years to come. Do you, do you kind of get it after a few days as it sunk in? Um, it hasn't sunk in yet. I think in about, I think 10 years it will sink in. It will be <laughs> a lot more important than what it is today to me. I still don't understand what I have done. I, I, I've had people tell me that I still don't understand what I've done. And I'm, I agree with them a hundred percent. I still don't know exactly what I have done. Well, you, you're just getting started, sir. 16 years, yeah. 16 years old. What, what year were you born? I was born in 05 when Peyton Sellers won his first national championship. Oh man. What a, what a connection. Born in 05. Take us through how you got started in racing. So I started racing go-karts when I was seven or eight years old, racing at Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Um, we raced go-karts up and down the East Coast till I was about 14. When I turned 14, I started racing limited at South Boston. And um, we had a very good first showing. The first win, we ended up finishing fourth, where we qualified second, which was um, kind of mind-blowing to me at that time. Um, but then the second twin didn't go that well. We um, knocked both clips off of the car. <laughs> um, to come this far is crazy. Um, tell us about that experience, because, I mean, that that had to be a learning experience for you. You said uh, um, you got in an incident, and it did not go so well. Um, so I really didn't listen to my spotter when he told me three wide. Um, I just kind of cleared myself up high and jumped about half the field. So <laughs> now I've gotten used to where I need to listen to my spotter and I, I do what they tell me and I can trust them now. So from where go-karts, you don't have spotters. Right. So I think that was where I just didn't have the experience having a spotter. Got you. Um, did did anybody come up to you and talk to you after that? Either either angry or or otherwise, like trying to help you. Did did somebody give you advice after that fact? Um, I was kind of upset. I had a couple people come up to me. Um, I don't really remember that time because it's been a while back. I do remember everyone helping me get in the car, fixed back up to get it loaded in the trailer. People tell me, hold your head high. You did a very good job for your first showing. And um, to be able to go out there and finish fourth in the first twin, I thought was awesome. And um, that second twin didn't go so well. I was just kind of upset because I knew we had a faster car than what, you know, what happened. For sure. Um, uh, take. I'm going to jump back just a little bit. Um, your dad was a uh, South Boston champ in limited sportsman back in 09 you were about four years old at the time uh couldn't probably really get into a, a car or a go-kart or anything uh at that point what made you want to get into a, a go-kart to start off with did tell us that story did your dad ask you to did you ask your dad how did that progress so he he came up to me one day and said you want to try race and i'm about done so we he he got, bought me a go-kart we went out and just played around the racetrack seeing just getting what it felt like to drive it and um we ended up racing a couple months later at uh, ashland in capital city um it was i i don't even remember honestly i just remember being 
asked, do you want to try racing? And I said, oh, yeah, for sure. Because watching him, I used to sit on the back stretch coming out of turn two, playing with my matchbox cars while he raced and limited. So uh, it, it's truly awesome to come this far and know that I watched him on that back stretch while playing with my little matchbox car. Uh, something, you know, it was just in you, something that you all just automatically wanted to do after watching him, right? Yes, sir. That is too cool. I lo- I like that story a whole lot. Um, you know, we'll move back now to, uh, to after your, your little incident. Um, you moved into late models this year. Um, what went into that decision and how did it come about and, and how did it, you know, start this year so my dad thought i was ready i had a couple people come up and tell me i was ready to move on up the late model because we won about four races last year one being a late model race the non-winners at dominion and three limited races one at langley and two at dominion and um we were pretty stout we were very competitive every race we were in in the limited and um when i went up to late model i was like this is what i want to do these cars i i like driving the late model a lot more than i do the limited um, it, it's just a lot more, you got to wield the late model a lot more than you do the limited. It's just, um, cause you've got all the motor in the world mm-hmm. and you can just, you can just stab the throttle and get it turned. It, it's a lot different than the limited. Gotcha. And that, and that suits you, I take it? Yes, sir. <laughs> what's, what's that feeling like? What was the first time you got in a late model after being in a limited? And what was that, what was that feeling like? Were you like, whoa, or, or were you ready for it? Um, I was I was expecting a little bit of speed, but I wasn't expecting as much as I thought it was going to be. When I went out there, it was <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, this thing's got a lot more power than I thought it did." <laughs> and um, it took me about two or three runs to get used to it. Then um, it was back to driving like I wanted it. Um, I was having to hold my breath going around the racetrack the first couple times I went out at Dominion in the late model. Um, it's just so fast there, and um. Martinsville compared to Dominion, I think Dominion feels a little bit faster than Martinsville. Martinsville's got the longer straightaways, but Dominion, it's so momentum-based and so fast. It's crazy. Yeah, it's got that bank. Was it Dominion the first the first laps you put on a late model? Was, it, was that Dominion? Yes, sir. TN4. Um, moving into this, uh, this season, you split time between Dominion and South Boston, kind of running every other week or something like that. What was that like? What was tell us about that experience and what you learned and how you did? Um, so I learned a ton this year, switching back and forth from racetracks. The first half of the year, I struggled a lot because I was driving one place like the other, and then going back to the other place and driving it like the other. Um, it, it hurt me for the first couple weeks, and um, I eventually started getting used to it. And we ended up being really, really competitive, and. Um, be able to run top five almost every race we were in was awesome to me like at the end of the year we were running top five i was shooting for top threes honestly coming in this year i wanted to try and get some top fives and maybe some top tens but um to be able to say we were competing for wins was awesome that surprise you at all oh yeah for sure i thought top threes was wow uh, this is icing on the cake from what we thought was going to be at the beginning of the year, running top 10, top five, just shooting for those. And um, to come out with the Virginia State Rookie of the Year and the Southeast Rookie of the Year is pretty cool also. But nothing tops this Martinsville clock and check for sure. All right, well, you mentioned the clock. Where is it? Where is it right now? 
it is sitting in the living room so everyone can see it if they walk in the house. Because <laughs> I mean, I mean that that seems pretty fitting uh, until you get your own house or your own place or something. Because I mean, your family had to have been a huge played a huge role in getting you to that victory. Yes, for sure. Um, my father and my mom and my sister they um come with me everywhere to get I go and um they support me everywhere I go and. They're, they're, they're the biggest part of my race, and um, they're traveling with me every week, week in, week out, to racetracks, you know, two hours, an hour away every week. So to have them support me is awesome. They uh, they helped you get one victory uh, before this Martinsville race, too. What was that day like? Take us back to that day. Where was it? When was it? And how was it? Um, so Friday, the day before the race, we had a really strong call. I believe we were two tenths faster than everyone all week and we go out there on Saturday and we're still a tenth and a half better than everyone. I was like, this is gonna be our night. I had Where two was three it? people walk uh South Boston Speedway. Okay. And um I had a couple people walk up to me telling me this is gonna be your day. And qualifying didn't work out. They um the tr- they didn't have any internet so the transponders weren't gonna work. So they started us by practice too and we had like two tenths on the field because we mocked up and I think a couple others mocked up too. But um, to say we started on pole and battled against the nation, um, the national championships, awesome. Um, we were fighting tooth and nail every lap. I knew he was close. My father kept telling me he's still six back. Keep fighting hard. And uh, we were running twin fifties that night because uh-huh. uh, we had a race and it was supposed to be one single 100 and it ended up being twin fifties. I think the second twin, we ended up finishing second. Um, we just got hung up in some traffic, but that first win, it's unbelievable. I, that one has sunk in. Martinsville has it, but <laughs> I feel like this Martinsville win is going to be a lot bigger than what that was. Had you, uh, had you turned any laps at all at Martinsville prior to this past weekend? No, I have only been there to watch. I I had a somewhat an idea of what they, what kind of line they ran, but um, honestly, I was clueless going into it. I I, I walked around the racetrack with Kane Sellers. He um showed me a little bit about it, and I had help guidance from Philip too on how to get on the brakes, get into the corner. He um he was a big help in me too. He uh, gave me about two tenths. Honestly, we picked up two tenths after Philip helped me. Which is really cool. Not a bad guy to to take advice from, right? No, not at all. He's um, they, they call him the king for a reason. Uh, man, that is that is something else. Um, you I mean you walked around the track, you experienced Martinsville as a fan, and now as a racer, what was what was it like those first laps on Martinsville? Um, t- take us through that because it is one of the mo- more difficult tracks that you'll race on, or anybody will race on. Um, those first 10 laps when I hit Martinsville, I was like, I've made it. This is, this is the coolest thing ever. Just going around Martinsville. I mean, we were horrible for the first <laughs> half hour of practice. I was like, this is awesome. I, I, I didn't know what to do. I was just kind of clueless, but going around Martinsville and seeing the stands, it, it was really, really cool. That That's neat. Um, all right. You, I mean, besides, we talked about a little bit besides a racer, you are a student, and you have a job. We didn't talk about you being a student yet. Tell us, uh, tell us about your school life. Where do you go? What do you do? And uh, what class are? You, I mean, what grade are you in? Even 
So I go to Amelia County High School. I'm in 11th grade. I take seven classes a day, eight to three o'clock every day. Um, it, it's a struggle to get work, racing, and school in all at the same time. Um, now I'm at work every day again. So in racing season, it was it was a struggle because we were testing a day or two out of the week. But um, I finally got back to reality now. So <laughs> racing every week is not that big of a deal anymore when I can come make some money at the sawmill and go to school and <laughs> actually keep up with everything I'm doing. So I remember what it was like being a junior in high school and I didn't race at the time, but I, you know, played sports and other things. What was it like going back to class and your friends and people who are in your class and your teachers and whoever, what was that experience like? So the cool the school gave me a really awesome recognition. They put me on the announcements in the morning and the evening. I had everyone telling me congratulations. I had the principal giving me some balloons actually. Um <laughs> was pretty cool. So um everyone told me congratulations. My teachers were pretty cool about it. They um they told me about how they read all the articles. I was like, you know, this is truly awesome that my school actually supports me this much. That is that is really neat because we talked to uh, we talked to um, Daniel Silvestri after he got the poll, and he he goes to Virginia Tech now, and he was saying that he wished that racing could become a collegiate sport. But I'm guessing you wish that racing could potentially be a a high school sport in some capacity as well. Yeah, for sure. If they could ever do that, that'd be awesome. But um, racing is. I don't feel like anyone would have any interest in it. I feel like I'm the only one in school that has a ton of interest in racing. So no one else really talks about their interest in the other school sports. Um, but it, I, I like being different. And um, I'm, I really don't say much about my racing at school unless someone brings it up to me. And I just give them a whole education <laughs> on it. Dude, I love that, man. I love that because I was kind of the same way. I wasn't. I didn't race like you do, but as a race fan, there was only a few kids who I'm still good friends with um, that we we would go to the races together, you know. And it was our cool little thing, and it was it was something that felt really special. And I bet you feel the same way. Yeah, for sure. I had a couple buddies actually come to one of my races at South Boston. We um. We didn't have that good of a night at South Boston, but they thought it was the coolest thing to be there and to watch me race. They asked, actually asked me if they wanted, if they could come back sometime. I was like, sure, man. I really appreciate the support that y'all guys are giving me. And, um, I, I hope to see them there in the future. Well, you're, you're doing, uh, you're doing a stellar job, uh, with that because I mean, I've always thought that if the more you know about something, no matter what it is, no matter what, if it's sports, if it's music, if it's racing, whatever, the more you know, the more that you're going to care about it. So the more people you can teach about it and bring the racetrack, the more people that are going to love it, I think. Yeah, for sure. I, that's the same mindset I have telling all these guys, y'all should come to my races some more and, you know, it, it'll get more people into the sport completely agree i mean not everybody can be a driver but some people can be a broadcaster or just a race fan and and learn about it so man i can't uh, i can't thank you enough for doing that and spending some time with us um i wanted to hit on uh, just a couple more things and you kind of mentioned it uh, watching timothy peters and a couple other people um you something that you t- told me in the 
media center after the race really struck me was that you were out here watching your heroes before. Who were some of your heroes that you raced or that you watched when you were, I say when you were a kid, you're still a kid, when you were younger? Um, Payne Sellers, he's number one. I've watched him at South Boston growing up. Same with Philip Morris and Lee Pulliam. Watched them all duel it out every week. Same with Timothy and Bobby Mack. I, Bobby McCarty actually raced my dad in 09, or 2010, I believe it was, mm-hmm. uh, in limited fighting for wins with my dad. It's pretty cool. And to race him at Martinsville was awesome too. But, um, and those five guys, they, um, they have a big influence on my racing career. They're just, they're really talented at what they do. Um, they all carry themselves with a lot of professionalism and, um, they, they know how to get it done. Have you told them yet that how, you know what they've meant to your career? Have you had that conversation with any of them or all of them? Um, I've had it a couple of times with Peyton, yeah, because he's my teammate. So we talk here and there about it all the time. I'm like, you know, and I was born when you won your first national championship, and he just kind of laughs at me every time I tell him that. Oh. And um, it, it's to be able to race against a guy that won a national championship when I was born is, is honestly crazy. That that's super, uh, dude. I, I got to ask you now. I mean, you, you've you've I wouldn't say you've reached a mountaintop because you've got so much more accomplished or to accomplish, but. You won one of the biggest races in the entire universe. I mean, arguably the biggest in late models in the country. Um, what's next? What are you trying to do now? So Martinsville was definitely on the bucket list, but um, the next thing I really want to accomplish is being the youngest to ever win a national championship. It, the, it could, I have five years to do it, so. Um, and that would tie Peyton when he won his national championship. I believe he was 21. So if we could ever do that, that would be awesome. But winning the national championship regardless would be super, super cool. If uh, if somebody came calling, say, a NASCAR team, I know you probably haven't even thought about it, even if you have. Um, what would What would your thoughts be? Is that even something you've dreamed about? Uh, for sure, I've always dreamed about racing in the um, upper three series, even the ARCA and the K&N, um, just watching those guys. And if I ever got a call from them, I, <laughs> I'd be ecstatic. I, I really wouldn't know what to say. But um, I really haven't thought about it than that. But um, it would be a dream to do anything above late models, truly. That, that who is a then the next question is, I mean, watching the, the top three series in NASCAR, who are you a fan of? Give me a few names. I really like Kyle Larson. He's um he's really he's a wheel man. He is very very good. Um, a couple of Kevin Harvick. I like how he carries himself. He's really really good. Um, there's a couple others um that I like watching. Um, other than that, I really don't know. I really don't watch them that much. I like listening to them on the radio. Ah, uh, yeah, MRN, PRN, man. I, those are, those are some of my good days as a kid as well, dude. Um, who uh, and you probably already thanked them a million times, uh, especially in Victory Lane. But uh, tell us again who uh, who got you here? Who you got to thank on uh, on your race card and in your racing life? So I've got to thank my whole family. They do a lot for me. They support me every week. Um, GXS Raps RPM Group, they do a lot for me. Um, Stephen Dunn, he supported me this whole year. Um, Solid Rock Carries, he came on board for the July 4th race. 
and the um, Martinsville race, of course. Have them, him and Victory Lane, Kirk Ifock, it was really cool. Um, there's a couple other people that uh, – Brian Tanner, he's a big play. He plays a lot of roles in my racing. He's at the racetrack almost every week that I'm there. I think he didn't come to one race, and that was at Langley, but he was at every one of the other ones. Um, Sellers Racing, of course, Reynolds Racing, Chazzy's, Hedgecock Racing. They do a lot for me, everyone over there. Um, there's a couple more I failed to name because I, I, I have so many people in the car. And, but to have them in Victory Lane was truly awesome. Dude, to have you in Victory Lane was truly awesome as well. A Virginia racer, a racing Virginia driver, winning the biggest late model race in the nation in the state of Virginia was something fantastic and you've got such a bright career ahead of you landon thank you so much for talking to us we're going to talk to you a whole lot more here in the future but uh it was cool uh having you on and telling your story bud i really appreciate you having me um it, it, i i really appreciate the opportunity to come on here and talk to you awesome dude well uh well thank you again and we will talk to you soon thank you how about that kid? 16 years old, driver out of Amelia, Virginia, said he was more nervous in his post-race interviews because he didn't know what to say than he was in his race car. Congratulations again, Landon Pembleton. Know the name, know the spelling, because I was one of the people that uh, didn't quite know how to uh, to spell his last name after the race. We were all kind of gathered in the media center. Is it E-L? Is it L-E? It is E-L-T-O-N. Landon Pembleton. Remember that name. Uh, one of the young up-and-coming racers here right from Racing Virginia who is going to make a mark in late model stock cars and hopefully move up through the ranks and make us really proud as he's done so far. Um, obviously, one of the drivers uh, that has done that in his career is Denny Hamlin, and he got it done again this weekend, this past weekend at uh, at Las Vegas. Held off Chase Elliott to win, cement himself in the next round of the NASCAR playoffs, and as as we all I think collectively could have thought, uh, Kyle Larson was the championship favorite. I don't know if he is anymore. That team, after some bad pitch strategy, couldn't make their way back up through the field, and Denny absolutely dominated the latter half of that race. you got to think Chester Field's own Denny Hamlin is now the championship favorite. I posted the question on uh, our Facebook page, and uh, and got a couple of responses that he wasn't. Well, uh, I mean, why, why isn't he? Um, he? I know he is kind of not come through in the past, but I mean, he's got as good as chance as anybody here. And we've seen just like last year, Chase Elliott got hot at the right time. Denny Hamlin and that 11 Joe Gibbs FedEx Toyota team is on it. And they are ready to, I think, make that final leap as champions and cement themselves at the mountaintop of NASCAR's highest level. Speaking of NASCAR's highest level, we look ahead to the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series schedule, and we are proud once again to say that we are the only state in the nation with four NASCAR Cup Series races between two tracks. Obviously, that is Richmond Raceway and Martinsville Speedway. Richmond had a little bit of a change, and uh, if you want to see an in-depth analysis of the change in 
Richmond's date for 2022, visit RacingVirginia.com and click on Randy Hallman's latest column. He, he lays it all out for us. Richmond, going to be interesting this year. April 3rd, classic date for the spring race, the Toyota Owners 400. But the fall date is moving to an August 14th day race. Now, that is definitely a change. Richmond's hosted night racing, cup racing since 1991. And it will be the first time that Richmond doesn't have at least one cup night race since 1991. That, that, kind of, that makes me sad. That makes me very sad because I grew up going to the NASCAR Cup Series night races at Richmond Raceway. But I think with the current car, and who knows what the next-gen car is going to bring to the, to the short tracks. I know what they're trying to do at the super speedways and intermediates, but, but we don't know a whole lot about how it's going to react at the short tracks. Um, I think the racing, if you're into the on-track product, the on-track product is going to be better at Richmond with a hot, slick racetrack. It just simply is. It has been over the years, ever since they clamped down those cars, ever since they're they're low to the ground with no ride height, the Richmond races in the day have just simply been better. So I guess uh, if you're a fan of the on-track product, a real fan of the on-track product, then that's uh, that's going to be for you. Obviously, Martinsville uh, as their two races, April 9th, the Blue Emu 500, the October 30th Xfinity 500, which will again set the championship four, the last chance for the championship four in the Cup Series. And then Xfinity Series and trucks are back at both tracks. Richmond's got an Xfinity Series race on April 2nd. Martinsville's got an, an Xfinity Series race on April 8th. Richmond's trucks moves to the fall on August 13th. And Martinsville's tr- trucks will be in the spring on April 7th. So, again, at NASCAR's highest level, we are blessed to have just some amazing action at two phenomenal racing facilities. I couldn't be prouder to be a part of, of Richmond Raceway for as long as I was and to be a Richmond Raceway fan since I've been a fan of, of racing the same can be said for me at Martinsville. I mean, uh, I didn't grow up going to the Valley Star 300 or, or what it was called at the time when I was a kid, but those races at Martinsville that I watched uh, as a kid in the Cup Series, the Trucks Xfinity, and what have you, man, uh, we are so blessed to have these tracks here in Racing Virginia, and we also have a Racing Virginia driver, again, at the top level, competing for a title simple as that folks it is just simply awesome to be a racing fan here in virginia we are going to have so much more cool stuff coming for you the rest of the year and into 2022 please check out racingvirginia.com click on any of your favorite tracks we've got their schedules and information all there right for you Check us out on social media at Racing Virginia on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We've got a YouTube page as well. Thanks again to Landon Pembleton for spending some time with us. I'd like to give a special thanks to Josh Slate, who is my right-hand man at Martinsville Speedway for the Valley Star 300. If you saw the Racing Virginia social channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, a lot of that content was his, coming from his two thumbs and all of his hard work there at Martinsville. Thanks to him. He's done a great job at Dominion Raceway on their social channels this past summer. Speaking of Dominion, I'd like to give another shout-out to Dinah Mullins, who was helping us out with photography 
always great to spend time with her. She had some great shots and has a great photo album up now on the Racing Virginia Facebook page. I can't thank the two of them enough for all their help at Martinsville, and I can't thank you, the listener, enough for tuning in to episode 111 of the Racing Virginia podcast. That'll do it for this one. I'm Brandon Brown reminding you, keep racing, Virginia. Thanks for listening to the Racing Virginia podcast. This has been a Speed Squad and Appletown Media Production. That's the way.